American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Time Shifters Podcast. This is your host, Christopher, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Tom. Howdy. Howdy. How have you been? Not too bad. Hopefully by now we have both recovered from our weekend at the expo. That was a lot of fun. And since that was more expo than we normally go to, uh, it felt a little weird uh, on the on the Monday after going, wait, aren't we supposed to go to the convention center? Speaking of expo and speaking of comics and everything, there was some news that just came out today as of recording anyway. And you, were, you just reminded me of it yes. about the... Uh, Deadpool 3. Big fan of the Deadpool movies. I, I, I love them rather quite a bit. So, yes, we got some fabulous news today. Uh, it was revealed in uh, Ryan Reynolds' usual goofy manner, uh, where he produced a short little video where he uh, mentions how he's racking his brain over what to do for Deadpool 3. And Hugh Jackman just happens to be in the house with him, wandering around. And he just matches over the couch. Uh, hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? And he's like, sure, why not? And, <laughs> and there you have it, folks. We have Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine. That should be an interesting film. I'm curious to see what you know Wolverine has to think of uh, Deadpool. <laughs> well, and, and it's a nice little... Uh, it's a nice little circle back because Deadpool as Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool and in the worst way possible was introduced in a Wolverine movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> easy to forget because it was such a bad movie. I, it's a movie I actually never got around to seeing. Oh. I just remember knowing, I just knew that. Yeah, unfortunately, I've seen that one. Um, and um, it didn't do justice toward, well, any of the characters that were in it, honestly. But uh, uh, certainly not the Deadpool character. But because he was in that movie when Ryan Reynolds got to do the actual Deadpool movies, in both, he at least mentions Hugh Jackman and Wolverine at least once in each film. <laughs> so... To the point which, uh, uh, for those that have seen, uh, he even had Hugh Jackman's face stapled to his own face uh, <laughs> uh, under his own mask at one point, which was hysterical. So uh, to have the two of them play off of each other and return to do it again should be a lot of fun. I'm just imagining Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is extremely no-nonsense and... Deadpool is everything nonsense, and I'm just the sparks between those two is just going to be incredible. I've only read a few things in comics where the two interacted, but yeah, uh, whatever you're picturing, that's exactly how that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And there's probably going to be a little bit of a wolvie slicing and dicing Deadpool and Deadpool laughing at him as he does. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that should be a that should be a hell of a thing. It's it's amazing how long it's been since there's been a Deadpool movie, and it's amazing how long it's going to be. What are we talking? Twenty four, twenty five? It'll be twenty four, but pretty much twelve months from now. That's if they get to keep their release date. Right. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like it's been forever. It's it's been to the point where you're thinking they're just not going to make another one. Deadpool 2 came out around the same time that Disney was busy procuring pretty much everything Marvel 2. So 
Um, not that Deadpool was directly involved in the MCU to begin with, but then it's all the rights and all that. And so how that all crosses over and where it all goes, that gets a little funny. Gotcha. So we'll see. But uh, either way, that should be a good time as long as uh, they get to make the movie that I know they're going to want to make. Right. Well, I don't think Ryan Reynolds or not Ryan Reynolds. Um, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, right? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Sorry. I had someone else's name in my head. <laughs> uh, I don't think Ryan Reynolds would do it if he couldn't make the film he wanted to make. No, uh, I, he's been very much involved in the creative process. If De- Deadpool isn't how he wants Deadpool to be, he won't be Deadpool. Exactly, yeah. No, it's definitely kind of his character. I I don't know we'll ever have another Deadpool. <laughs> I don't know how you would do it either, because actually, having gone back, and, because it did reignite my interest in the character, I did go back and read some Deadpool comments, and I don't know who else you get to do that. Ryan Reynolds' sense of humor and delivery is exactly how Deadpool is is written so it's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah that was just always meant to be that way <laughs> so you got a movie with one person that can really pull off a wolverine and the one person that can pull off a deadpool are going to be in the same film yeah so either way um i'm already looking forward to it i hope it doesn't get ruined <laughs> yes and i hope it i hope it doesn't go the way of like batgirl you know, let's make let's make the film, but then let's put it on the shelf and never let anyone see it. Spend eighty million dollars or so on a film, and then just uh, write it off our taxes. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still hopeful somehow that quote unquote leaks. Yeah, <laughs> the Batgirl film. Yeah, and it would have to at this stage. It would have to be a flat out leak. Things have uh, accidentally made their way <laughs> to the public before. True enough. I mean, there are ways to see the absolutely original Fantastic Four film, and that was supposed to have gone that way, too. Right, right. Well, I think that actually did officially get released in the last couple of years. Oh, did it? Yes. But prior to that, yeah, it was all over. You could find it on convention floors. Yes, indeed. Yes. So far, the only good Fantastic Four film. <laughs> Still haven't seen that one myself. I could already put it in that category without having seen it. Well, I have watched a few things in between prepping for the expo and winding down from the expo. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of went, gone back. I This showed up on Tubi, and I haven't watched it since it first came out. There's a film called The Ghastly Love of Johnny X from 2012. Okay. This is a film I, I watched and reviewed way back in 2012, 2013. It is a, well, you know, I, I, I called it a weird and wonderful experience because it truly is. It is a kind of an homage to 50s films, but it's also a musical. Okay. And, but it, it's got a sci-fi edge to it. And it's the, the final appearance of Kevin McCarthy, who's famous for like uh, Invaders uh, or the... Um, Famous for Invasion of the Body Snatchers, among many other credits. And it is the last film to ever be shot on the Eastman Plus X negative black and white film. Interesting. Uh, the, the director, uh, Paul Bunnell, scrambled to buy up the last because they were discontinuing their, their rather famous black and white film. And he scrambled to, to, to collect enough to uh, film this thing. And then he... He filmed it, and then there was an issues, and there was problems with finances, and so there was a big pause. And then, like years later, he was able to get the cast back together to finish oh the my film. God. <laughs> it is an experience to watch, and I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I think it starts out stronger than it ends. Yeah, I, I feel like towards the end, you sort of, you get tired of the gag, I guess, a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, but. It's still overall, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's worth checking out, especially if it's on Tubi, so it's free. People are listening if you've never seen it and you want something just kind of weird and quirky. Uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out. 
it sounds like you need to watch it just for the journey the the film itself took. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. It fought tooth and nail to come into existence. What else I've watched? Something else I had not watched probably since it first came to home video. The movie Screamers. Okay. With uh, Peter Weller. Do you remember this one where they're on some planet and it's got these little... Uh, these things under the ground that you know they scream and then jump out and they slice your arm off and yeah i seem to vaguely recall that but god i haven't seen that in decades <laughs> i i had not either it it popped up and i thought i'm gonna watch that i haven't seen that in ages i think it popped up on prime yeah the effects do not hold up <laughs> many of the effects shocking the physical effects the actual gore effects and everything great but the actual um I guess you'd call them CGI, uh, animated. I don't know what you'd call it. Of the, some of these creatures, these these robots that are attacking, don't hold up terribly well. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Yeah, but yeah, that can be fun at times too, because those laughable moments. Like, remember when that was cool? Yeah, this film, and I, I said it when I posted it that it there is so much in that movie that is just poking through the surface. Yeah, and it's. It's not enough time and it's not enough effort to really explore it. We got the idea that these, they built these devices to be like um, guards, effectively. And they start reproducing themselves and they effectively become sentient beings. And there's this whole idea of them evolving. And I'm like, there's like a series to be had in this. And this is only like an hour and a half movie. And it's just, it's not enough time to really, and it's supposed to be, it's an action movie and it's a Peter Weller movie. So you, you don't have enough time to really explore that. And yeah, there's so much more. You, you, you want it more out of this. <laughs> well, that gets into that conversation we have so often now where do you make a film or do you make a series? And in this day and age, the potential for a series to be better than a movie is very high. So mm -hmm. back then, that would probably not have been the case. <laughs> right. Oh, no, absolutely. No. Well, you didn't have things like uh, Prime or Netflix or Hulu. No. Which would have been an absolute perfect place for something like this. Even if it's just a short-lived, even if it's just a mini-series or something, just eight episodes or something. You get a good full eight hours of the story versus an hour and a half. That's kind of a thing, um, just to harken back to our, our con time. It was brought up, and uh, feel free to interject who mentioned it, but it, I remember a conversation around the notion of knowing how long something should run. Like, when you have an idea like that, obviously an hour and a half in the 90s in a movie was not enough, but... TV would not have carried that well at the time. But I remember there being conversation with one of the guests that, you know, sometimes, uh, oh, it was with John Noble. That he, he was discussing that, you know, sometimes things have a run and there's probably a natural time in which they should should finish, but because fans enjoy things and there's money to be had, things get extended beyond their life cycle. So the uh, it, I just latched on to that from your conversation because, yes, the, sometimes knowing whether or not a miniseries should be enough, just do it, tell your story, and get out, I think there needs to be a little bit more of that. No, I, I absolutely agree. And, uh, yeah, thank you for remind, remembering uh, who it was. Um, I don't think he was talking directly about uh, Fringe, no, not but I think it came directly, up directly, but I think one of the other series he may have appeared in. Yeah, but I think it definitely um, had something to do. It was it was definitely sparked by that, I believe. Well, yeah, because uh, he had met. I remember during the conversation where it kind of got him ruminating on that thought was how uh, Fringe was very popular. It got kept because it because. When it was about to end was also when social media was really start starting up. The the studio got basically balked at about the notion that they were going to cancel it when they wanted to cancel it. Had to extend it, but then 
chose to only extend it long enough to give it a what was at least a, a proper ending at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's got him on that thought that, you know, sometimes you got to know when is when. <laughs> and honestly, if you'd push me to say it, I think Fringe probably outstayed its welcome by a season. Yeah, and, and I'd struggle. It's been forever since I watched Fringe, so I, I couldn't even tell you how it ended. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, me either. I think it actually popped up somewhere. Is it on uh, HBO Max or Prime? I saw it on one of the streaming it services. It is available somewhere, yes. And I was thinking, I might dive back into that, but I've... I'm in the middle of like a half dozen other things too, so I have not done it as of yet. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Speaking of series, let's go back and, and tie it right back to the, like the Comic Expo and the whole idea. Let's go back to cartoons a little bit. Sure. Have you, have you seen that there is going to be some uh, really great looking action figures based on the old Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. I Well, uh, being that I am actually a member of ha- Hasbro Pulse, yes, I, w- I was alerted to that the moment that they were released. And I'm like, yeah. those are cool. I hope they look as good as what they're showing in these photos that, they, that have been released. Ha- having been a part of the Hasbro Pulse, uh, yeah, a lot of them, uh, what you get in the photos, they're glorified, but... The, what you get is that figure. It will look that good. So. Nice. Well, I think the, I think they come out. By the time you hear this episode, they should be out. I think they're releasing September 30th with a uh, Avenger and Dungeon Master two back two pack, which is a Target exclusive. Yeah, I think they had limited quantities available on Hasbro Pulse, which I. I believe the last time I heard were already sold out. Yes, they are sold out. And according to Hasbro Pulse, they're actually looking at a release date of January 1st. Oh, okay. My mistake. Yeah, it's going to be a little longer. Okay. Uh, I was just reading from the report that I originally saw these at, and they gave it a uh, 9.30. But maybe that that was the the pre-order date or something or it may have something to do with some of the other figures because the this one is specifically is um um dungeon master and venger and Mm -hmm. that one is that's the one that i can see on the app and it's due out sometime january so okay all right but yeah right now i think they've just got uh, a few of the characters mentioned they don't have the entire set out yet but yeah, or the, developed. The other three about uh, due out next are Hank, Diana, and Bobby. And for those that don't re- recall or need to know by what they do, uh, Hank was the archer. Um, Diana uh, had a bow staff. And Bobby was the little boy with the uh, little unicorn guy and the, uh, the, the helmet with the horns. <laughs> yes, the barbarian. The with barbarian, the club. yeah, he had a, he had a club. Yeah, so I don't remember their names, but we're missing the uh, the girl with the in, the cloak of invisibility. Yeah, the kid with the uh, the magic hat, the magician. Yeah, and then the guy that was like the knight. Yes, and I believe he went by the name Cavalier. Okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I I am remembering that from a distant memory, so it could be wrong, but right. that's okay. what I believe he was called was Cavalier. I think that's a lot of fun. It That's a series that I've barely even thought of other than going, yes, I knew that existed. Did you know it got for featured a, in like a car commercial or something like that? Oh, that is right. Just in the last year or so. Yeah, the past couple of years or something like that. I can't remember when it was released. It had to be a year or two ago. I forgot about that entirely. Yeah. And it was so random that it came up. I'm like, this is an obscure 80s cartoon that uh, if it lasted a season, I think that was it. Yeah, well, apparently not so obscure. It seems like everybody remembers this thing rather fondly. And, but it's one of those ones where I wonder if you go back. And actually watch it. <laughs> yeah. I only remember loosely some of the premise even like these kids all went into like an amusement park or something and dungeon master pulled them through the other side of like this fun house or something. 
And yeah, well, it was like a Dungeons back. and Dragons ride or something, and then they end up in this crazy world fighting Venger and yeah, yeah I don't even d- remember why Venger was after him. Yeah, I don't or... remember what Venger's goal was. Right. Every cartoon similar to that in the time, they were always after the hero's sword. Yes. <laughs> yes, or some crystal that they had, or there was always something. Right. Yes. Something that was going to give them more power than they already had. But right. Venger wasn't clear what he was trying to get. And it wasn't clear why Dungeon Master needed to recruit children to, to fight Venger. Because everything in the 80s needed children. So how about you? What have you been up to? Uh, now, while you, uh, as per usual, while you, de- you do deep dives into the past, uh, mine are a little more on the current. Uh, I was a big Game of Thrones fan, so I have been watching their House of Dragons series, which took a bold step this past week and actually... Um, moved the story along 10 years in time from the last oh, episode to this episode. I assume there's a point to this, but I'm, I'm not a reader. I haven't read the, all the books. So if, it, if it's tied in there somewhere, I don't know. Uh, but when you do that, um, two of the main characters were women in their teens. They're supposed to be in their late teens. So jumping 10 years, they actually had to change cast. And you oh. changed your main cast. So that that's a bit of a bold move. So in doing so, uh, I got a fairly lackluster episode that I think is supposed to set up whatever's still coming. But either way, I'm, I'm feeling like this is Game of Thrones light. It's just a little little softer and a little more boring than the original go-around. <laughs> so, but I remain glued to it because there's dragons and swords and why not? Uh, but the other thing that I I, I, I I assume at some point people will refer to it as a guilty pleasure uh, is uh, Marvel's She-Hulk. I, yeah, you've been enjoying that? I have been enjoying that rather quite a bit. And it, there are lots of people out there that it, they either love it or they hate it. And I get I get it either way. But uh, the fact that it's... It, it is taking more the path of the superhero that doesn't want to be a superhero. And it's more about her day-to-day life. Um, such as it is. I mean, she's still a successful lawyer, so it's not everybody's day-to-day life. But her life and her tribulations as just a person who also happens to have superpowers. So the superpower part comes in a little bit less, and then it throws in um, lots of the uh, Deadpool element of breaking the fourth wall a lot. So... She likes to do lots of tongue-in-cheek to the camera. Um, uh, there, there's one from a few weeks back where she actually goes, there's her storyline, and then there's some of the other co- characters' storyline, and at one point she's in a scene where the two storylines come together, and she's like, connected the A and B story. Nice. And she's just <laughs> giving a thumbs up to the camera. So that's awesome. I like that. It, it it's fun. It's silly. Um, take it for what you want, but I enjoy it. And then Tatiana Maslany is just amazing. I loved her so much in her prior series. Um, with you know that the name of that one better than Orphan I. Orphan Black, yeah. Orphan Black, thank you. But yeah, it, her in this uh, battling between what it's like to be She Hulk and what it's like to be Jennifer Walters is kind of fun. I had to think it must be a blast for her too, because coming off of something like Orphan Black, where yes, it had some fun and comedic moments for the most part, it was a pretty heavy drama. It was pretty serious topics, and for her to finally kind of be able to let loose a little bit has got to be a lot of fun. I know she's done some uh, some small films and stuff in between, but as a day to day job to be able to do something like She Hulk is just got to be such a relief compared to. <laughs> You know, the five years or whatever it was for Orphan Black. 
the funny thing is, is it's a show that knows how to poke fun at itself because the first go round, the the uh, initial release, um, the initial teasers and all that, the CGI was still a little rough, but they actually make a Shrek joke in the show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I like to think that probably got written in after they had already been made fun of once. So right. that... That was kind of nice. I would like to see them do a little better job with the CGI because it sometimes doesn't work. I got to think that's a matter of um, you got to give them time, you know, after the let them get a season under their belt or something like that. I, I've heard a lot of people talking about the reviews where they're saying that the Hulk looks great, but obviously it would because that's already been done. I mean, they've got everything they need to do Hulk. And so she Hulk is kind of a brand new, a brand new skin that they have to apply. Yeah. So it would be, it's going to take some time maybe to kind of get all the, uh, the bugs worked out. It's funny though. And I, I totally get why people want to just ditch, um, social media and everybody's input. Um, because of all things, I saw I saw this thing where somebody went off on the fact that because they made the Shrek joke, that is the MCU acknowledging that the movie Shrek exists. True. By doing so, they that suggests all of the follow-ups exist. True. Because John Krasinski did a voice role in one of the Shrek movies. I don't remember which one. Um, and he also plays Reed Richards in the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, that this now creates some weird paradox that says, that can't be. And I'm like, but, but he's Reed Richards <laughs> in the movie. He just looks like John Krasinski. <laughs> yeah, and it just so happens his voice sounds a lot like John, you know, John's voice. Sure. It's perfectly normal. But, a lot of people have the same voice. It's called... But I think fandom goes a little too far sometimes when what when, when that's the argument one chooses to make. I I don't know what you're talking I about. I know, right? <laughs> it's not like we haven't experienced weird fandom firsthand. Now, one of these days I'll get to the She-Hulk. I'm behind on all my Marvel watch stuff anyway. I only just recently watched Morbius. I only just recently watched Eternals. And I'm sorry for both. <laughs> Eternals was one of those films uh, its parts were better than its whole. Yeah, there's that's a discussion all in its... Yeah, it is. We don't need to get into that. But I uh, just briefly that it was just one of those I cared more about the backstory part than the actual story they were telling. Right. Yeah, I cared more about the overall theme than I did the the, uh, the story that was being told. Right. I think that's probably enough for now. We need to uh, we need to get to talking about our movie. We should. So let's go ahead and we'll take a short break here. We'll play a promo. When we get back, we're going to look at 2017's Happy Death Day. comic book fans, I'm Joe Stuber, producer and host of Comic Book Central, where each and every week I welcome a legendary talent to the Comic Book Central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life. Greetings, true believers. This is Stan Lee. When do you think the Academy is going to wise up and create a special Oscar category for best cameo? I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point. Hi, this is Jamie Alexander, the Asgardian warrior Sith from Thor. I went to Marvel. They said, hey, sit down. We want to talk to you about this part. So what happened was I had a knife in my purse. I set the purse on the chair and it fell off and the knife fell out. And then they were like, oh, God, you really are Lady Sith. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, William Shatner. 
there's all these rumors out there that you're going to be in the next Star Trek film. Well, I'd like to be in it. You know, I don't want to be a gratuitous character. <laughs> like scrubbing me, the uh, windows on the things. Enterprise or something? <laughs> there's a guy on the Chris wing. Chris Pine. There's a <laughs> guy on the wing. Chris Pine says there's a guy on the wing. Catch the very latest episodes at the website, comicbookcentral.net. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, like it on Facebook, follow it on Twitter, and be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central. This is John Reese davis Hi, everyone. This is Summer Glau. Hi, this is Trisha Helfer, number six from Battlestar Galactica. Hey, this is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book Central. Where comic books come to life. Excelsior. Oh, hey. Am I in a dorm room? Yeah. I folded your pants for you. Great. Dude, did you hear that? Oh, what? Don't shout. It's your birthday. Stop global warming. You sneaky little biatch. Maybe you should switch to water next time. Super helpful. Don't be late. See you party tonight. Okay. Bye. Bye. Tree, happy birthday. You scared me. Hey, you're up. Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. Stop global warming. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me. You can hear now. <gasps> but is everything okay? Shut up! Shut up! Assuming that I believe any of this is even possible. Sprinklers. Car alarm. The way I see you, you have unlimited amount of lives, unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying. Until I figure out who my killer is. You want to live to see tomorrow, right? Whoever's killing you knows it's your birthday. Pretty much the entire school knows. These are signs of major trauma. You should be dead. You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. All right, Happy Death Day was directed by Christopher Landon and produced by Jason Blum uh, through Blumhouse Productions and stars Jessica Rothi and Israel Brossard. Teresa Tree Gelbin is a self-absorbed and rude college sorority sister. After a night of partying, she wakes up in Carter Davis's dorm room. She goes about her day being a fairly despicable person to everyone she encounters. Even her roommate, who after discovering it's, her, it's Tree's birthday, has made her a cupcake. Well, Tree dumps the cupcake and heads to class. That night, on her way to a party... Tree is murdered by a mysterious figure wearing a school mascot mask. She wakes up in Carter Davis's dorm room. She goes about her day being a fairly despicable person to everyone she encounters. Even her roommate, who, after discovering it's Tree's birthday, has made her a cupcake. Tree dumps the cupcake and heads to class. Later that night, she's murdered by a mysterious figure wearing a school mascot mask. She wakes up in Carter's room, dorm room. Tree is reliving the same day over and over. Tree decides to use this time loop to discover the identity of her killer, but she may not have all the time she thinks. Her body is showing internal signs of the repeated trauma. Can she solve her own murder before her time runs out? This was a uh, suggestion for you for October, uh, being that we didn't want to do the whole 31 days. We didn't have time for that this year. No. So we, we did find a nice uh, kind of a horror film with a time loop, which very cool. Good, good selection. Mm-hmm. Did you see this film back when it first came out? 
No, I, I didn't see it. Not like when it hit the theater, but uh, as soon as it was available on some sort of streaming service, that's actually when I got to see it the first time. So Okay, yeah, this was a first-time watch for me. I had not gotten around to it. Interestingly enough, this is a fourth-time watch for me. Wow, fourth time. So this is a film that you actually... I enjoy quite a bit. Actually, enjoy this one. Yes, I'm kind of on the fence with this, and you, and rightfully so. Go ahead. <laughs> there are there are moments in this film I found really entertaining, but there's also moments in this film where I felt like this is getting to be a bit of a slog. <laughs> I grant you that. Yes. <laughs> It's like you get to these moments, you're like, yeah, all right, I'm into this. And that moment's over, and now i got to wait till the next one. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a great film. I, I'm, I'm just going to put it out like that. But it is kind of a fun film. Um, and I think the cast has everything to do with it, too. Because uh, it is filled with cliched characters. <laughs> Uh, at a cliched university, uh, having a cliched uh, murder experience set in a Groundhog Day style world. Yes, yeah. Yeah, the cliche college. It's reminded me very much of a film we've seen earlier this year uh, <laughs> where we were commenting the same thing. They're like, my God, could you possibly have any more cliched? college this is like practically animal house cliche college oh yeah definitely although the one thing that's not cliche but you just gotta love the warped mind that came up with it whose university has a cupid doll <laughs> as their mascot well apparently one uh i need to look it back up there is a school in new orleans that has a uh a mask that looks very similar to that. They actually filed lawsuit. Well, yeah, because if you noticed in the film, this takes place in Louisiana. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Apparently the creator of the King Cake Baby character, which is used as the New Orleans Pelicans mascot, sued the creators of Happy Death Day for stealing his mask. I don't know... As of the last thing I saw was like, as of 2019, it hadn't been resolved. I don't know what's happened since then. I didn't see anything else after that. Gotta wonder if it got dropped since they went ahead and made a second movie and it appeared in that one as well. And that was 2019. Dropped or settled and yeah. agreed or someone, you know, said, yeah, it's close, but it's not quite. I'm going to be straight. The character tree, Jessica Rothy or Roth or however she says the. Last I'm gonna name. assume it's Rothy since yeah. it's got the it's got the O and it's got an E at the end, so I'm going with Rothy. Yeah, that sounds good to me. She very effectively carries the entirety of the film. She is actually, yeah, she's the highlight of the movie, which is good since she's the star. Not an actress I was familiar with mm. outside of this film. And because uh, I'm not jumping ahead to our reviews, but as I caught in there, uh, which is absolutely true, if you think about it, she is in every scene. Yeah. There are no scenes without her. Um, this is a comedic role. This is a um, physical role. This is a horror role. Um Everything she has to carry, every emotional baggage that happens throughout the entirety of the film, and I thought she did an amazing job doing it. I'm just, I'm drawn to her. I like her character. I like watching her go through this. As ridiculous as it all is, as some of it doesn't even make any sense, uh, <laughs> it, it just, I couldn't not watch her. No, her agent should use this film as like a demo reel when she's trying to, you know, trying to get her parts and stuff. You know, oh, can she do comedy? Yeah. Happy Death Day. Can she do drama? Happy Death Day. Um, can she do a happy death day? <laughs> yeah. Can she do action? Happy Death Day. <laughs> and it's almost, and I'm just uh, foreshadowing to two weeks from now, um, the fact that they did it again and she does it again. And it's still entertaining. <laughs> I will say this, that this film, regardless of whether I can't decide whether I like it or not, right. 
it it's made me kind of look forward to the sequel just based on not anything I've read. I haven't read anything about it, but just comments of other people that have seen both. Yeah. Their comments regarding the sequel. It makes me look forward to seeing the sequel after seeing this. And it effectively, it takes the theme, which repeats, they, they're not hiding anything. Um, and then takes it on a little uh, twist um, right, I kind of hear it, it takes it to another level, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. And we'll have to have that, that conversation is. in two weeks. But uh, the, that's what I'm saying, though, is the character and the actress, uh, it, as much as is involved to do this, she's just so damn good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, regardless of all of the cliche and all of that, it's just so much fun to watch her go through all of these things. <laughs> And become all... She's essentially one character that becomes several characters throughout this. She is the stuck-up bitch. She is the action hero. She is the drugged-out, <laughs> messed-up, broken, sad person. She has an emotional relationship with her father. Uh, there's a whole thing with her mother. She goes through everything any movie has ever had in it. <laughs> Her character goes through an arc. There is a growth to her character and a, a big change in her character yes. from the beginning to the end of this film. And she carries that very well and is completely believable. You you believe her at the beginning and you believe her at the end. Yeah, uh, and, and some of the things that uh, are growth moments even are, are just... I, I can latch on to so many, but it... it um, and, and you saw it coming a million miles away. I see she keeps wa- waking up in Carter's bed after a night of binge drinking. That's the mm-hmm. theme. That's the opening of the film. That's what happens every time she returns to the start again. Um, at, at least it's not Sonny and Cher. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. keeps returning to that and it actually takes her several cycles before she actually realizes the guy whose bed she's woken up in hasn't actually done anything with her i really appreciate that this film made carter a good guy yes and by like no i didn't do anything you were trashed <laughs> i just you slept i slept in my roommate's bed <laughs> Yeah, especially with the creepy roommate coming in saying highly inappropriate things every single time. (laughs) And I love that moment, again, with with Jessica when her character, uh, when Tree finds out, like, wait, we didn't, like, no, of course not. You were totally drunk. And that, that smile that creeps into her face when she realizes how good of a guy this, that this, this fella's been to her. Oh, exactly. And as much as none of the you don't, it's there's nothing in this film where you don't see it coming. You right. totally get that Carter's going to be the good guy right out of the gate. I mean, yes, but I didn't necessarily see it coming that there wasn't a night of them fooling around. Right. Yes. No. I, it could have gone another way, especially guy in a college dorm and all that with the. A very attractive young woman. Just because it was supposedly young adults set in college, my mind was still pretty much stuck in like 80s college movies Uh where obviously they would have gotten it on. And then the next day they were somehow realized that they're actually nice people. Like, no, not really. But in this case, um, as much as at least for me, it was telegraphed that this is happening. Um, how she plays it, how her facial expression as she discovers for the first time, oh, he didn't, he, he didn't do anything to me. Like, right. and, and the full appreciation because the way she lives her life up to that point. Mm-hmm. It was just expect. she just assumed, um, yeah, no, I did things that I probably shouldn't have done, and I'll deal with that accordingly. It's a matter of fact for her and the fact that it didn't go the way that she would normally expect it to. And the fact that the way her as an actress played the realization that it went in a different way was really good. I liked it. Absolutely. I I like, you know, she spends effectively like a week or more 
getting to know Carter one day at a time. You know, it it's only one day every day for Carter, but she learns a little bit more about him and really grows to like him, even to the point where she, at one loop, she heads back to her sorority and her one sorority sister, you know, meets her in the hall and, oh, so who was who was it? And he's like, his name was Carter. We didn't have sex, but if I get through today, I'm going to have his babies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love that line. It was so satisfying in the moment that she yes. d- does it too. Um, she does lots of those too, because uh, there's the Again, with the cliche, there there is the the sexy older professor guy that that right. she's clearly had a, a torrid affair with of some kind. Uh, but there's in one of the loops, um, he thinks she's gonna talk to her him about the fact that she's falling in love with him, and the the fact that she turns it on on the head, like regardless of where where she was at, she's like. No, I'm I'm not in love with you. And the look on his face went, uh, uh, okay. And then starts to kiss her anyway. Like, right. Okay, now you're super creepy. Yes. And then I love the, uh, like, no, look, I should have never gotten involved with you. You've got a wife that loves you. I'm out. It's like, well, don't think you're going to be able to escape by my class. Already dropped it. Flipping the bird <laughs> on the way out, too. Yes. Yeah. No, like, there was no point in which you didn't, even when she was doing something skeezy, you liked this character. Yes. You were all on her side from the get-go. And it was like, I, it's why I'm drawn to it. And it's like, I can watch that all day long and it's just so much fun. Weirdly enough, and I don't remember feeling this way watching something like Groundhog Day. I don't know, really, there's not much difference between the two as far as the idea of the time loop and everything. I found sometimes having to sit through some of the loops tedious. And this is where uh, there's some other critique around the film as a whole. It's where it does kind of miss its mark. Okay, it's almost too groundhoggy in in the fact that this is supposed to be a horror film. And it's a little lack on the horror. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite tame. It's practically, you could almost do TV movie. You you really could. I mean, there's there's nothing gratuitous or gory about any of it. Despite all of the innuendo toward things, there's no nudity. There's no actual, there's there's no love scene. Nothing actually happens (laughs) in this film and nothing happens with the death that even when she gets killed it's more implied than shown and you might get a bloody knife or something but it's not even necessarily in her (laughs) there's a missed opportunity in which uh you could have made her repeated deaths a lot more horror satisfying Mm -hmm. and they chose not to yeah, I seem to remember reading a little bit of trivia or something that originally they were going to, or they had a lot more graphic death scenes, but they they dialed it back um, maybe for the rating. I didn't see. What was this? Was this an actual rated R? Or was this a, a no, PG-13? I believe this is a PG-13 film. Yeah, I think they dialed it back to, to get the PG-13 rating to keep it out of the R category, which, I don't know, maybe that... Is a bit of a shame. I, it would have been interesting to see something like this really take it to that level. Yeah, but I think they really wanted this to... Um, um, actually, again, in one of the reviews that I read, uh, it it's a, it likened this... This is a slumber party movie. No, I, I get it. I understand why. I understand the reasoning. They wanted to be able to be shown to as many people as possible. And if you had an R rating, you immediately kind of throw it into a niche film. I like that they did the PG-13, but I kind of wish there was like a Blu-ray special edition that was hard R. <laughs> yeah, you kind of need the alternate version. You're like, was this what you wanted to make? Is there, is there the, the theatrical release version and is there the director's cut? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I want the, the graphic death scenes that 
you have a half a dozen to a ten different ways to die, and they're all more horrible than the than the than the last. And then you've got the you know the gratuitous nudity in the sorority house, and <laughs> this film you, you just you just want that available, even if the one that you're going to go back and rewatch is the PG thirteen, you just you want that one available. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like even thinking about one of the ones where they could have had a really neat effect. Um, there's one of the scenes she apparently dies by baseball bat to the head. Mm-hmm. But what you see is the baseball bat hits the head. The head starts to lean to one side. Nothing has happened to her head. She looks completely fine. Um, right. And then she lands in bed. She's back in bed waking up and that's what she remembers. Um, but you kind of want the head cave in and some splintering of skull and then have this really neat effect of when she's falling over and falling into bed, her head reassembling on the way back down. That would have given it a little more. uh. Yeah, honestly, uh, the Walking Dead had a more graphic baseball bat death. They did. The most graphic uh, death scene I have ever witnessed. Um, Yes. But... Yeah, you, you kind of want a little bit of that. Because, I mean, it, it's a horror movie, and he, you go in, but it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's almost no scare in this at all. I don't know if I'd count this as a horror. I, yeah. Maybe you could call it a thriller. Maybe. Comedy thriller, or... <laughs> yeah, it's more... It knows it's a comedy, but then again, it also doesn't... It doesn't deep dive into that either, Oh. No, it doesn't go slapstick or anything like that. No, I mean, it, it, it's entirely situational, so they don't have fun with the fact that this is just over-the-top goofy, too. It, maybe, and it's just now kind of forming in my head, and maybe that's where my feelings kind of stem from, is this film does take multiple paths as far as genres go. Mm-hmm. There's time where it feels like it's going whole hog into something like Legally Blonde, and you think that's what you're going to, you know, when she decides that she's going to, uh, she's going to grasp this, you know, this whole reloop thing, and she, you know, it, it's got the peppy music and everything, and she's doing the, decides to do the, I'm just going to walk through campus naked, and he's you know, pointing at everybody, and you, and then that just stops. I mean, it's literally like you hear the brakes squeal, and then it changes, and I, maybe that's just it, is it, it kept forcing me to expect the film to go in another direction and it just, and it doesn't. And it goes back to where it effectively goes, literally goes back to start. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a time loop film. It goes back to start and the film starts over going back to a different theme. I get how that can be hard on the audience. I'm taking a slightly different road with some of that is For me, especially since this is entirely driven by this one character and her performance, it's that you're going through her fatigue as well. How many times she goes through this loop unsuccessfully figuring out how to end the loop. And so how much momentum can you have for for a period of time knowing full well every time you get it wrong, you're going to die? And I'd also say that there's also times where this film, I feel like, starts leaning in toward the idea of the horror or the thriller, mm-hmm. and then it stops and goes back and picks up a different theme. Yeah. And I, I think that's, like, fatigue, I think, is a great way to describe it. Is it made me feel fatigued, because i expecting to go into a lane, and then I had to go back to the other lane. And then, you know, it's like when you're stuck in traffic, and that lane keeps going faster, so you pull into that lane. And then it stops and the other lane starts going faster. (laughs) And I think you're getting some of this, too, because it does shift gears so many times as she's going through the list trying to eliminate who's killing her. And she learned she learned some fun stuff along the way. She learned some not so fun stuff along the way. Uh, But then you get about a third, two thirds into the film. And now we're focusing more on this. John Toombs guy and yeah he has something he he's the guy responsible for her, her mother's death and I think that's how that went 
No, no, I don't think there's any relation there. I thought there was some relation to why why he might be after her, though. No, it that was just coincidence. Because there is a serial killer who preys after young women, and this is total spoiler territory for folks listening, her freaking uh, psychopath roommate figures she could kill her, and if anyone questioned anything, by allowing Tombs to escape, the blame would just naturally go to him. That's the only connection. And it just so happens that occasionally Jessica would find herself in the hospital or someplace near tombs that he actually would try to kill her. But most of the, most of her deaths don't have anything, don't have anything to do with him. It was her roommate. Right. No, absolutely. But then did you, did you catch the, when we get into the roommate's motivation for why he want, she wants her dead. Yeah. There's a one, one of the loops the main driver of that motivation is somebody she kills. Lori is after the doctor. Right. She knifes the doctor in the hallway in one of the loops. That was one of the ones that kind of, when you get to the final end and you get the, oh, that's why you want to kill her? Well, I don't know if that was her. That might have been Tombs. Because if anything that takes any deaths that takes place in the hospital, I think is tombs. That's after he's escaped because the nurse, her roommate, undid his his uh, straps and everything. I suppose that could be uh, assuming that's the order in which things happen. But that that's where the movie does get a little off the rails. It becomes a little uncertain who's doing what, when, and where, and under what motivation. So. Yeah. And I grant that. I mean, yeah, it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. And like you're saying, you're getting lost in some of that because you're like, I want this to do something different, and it's not. Mm-hmm. A little bit like you were saying about uh, you're saying about something else earlier. Uh, oh, Eternals. You know, I think there's a lot of parts in this film mm-hmm. that are fantastic, but it doesn't necessarily make the whole thing fantastic. And, and, and I fully grant that. Like I said, I am entirely hinging this entire thing on her performance because it was so much fun to watch her go through all of these parts. I grant that <laughs> that, it, that it is not the most satisfying of endings. It's not the most satisfying uh, of, uh, of situations in some cases, but the individual scenes and her in them are still a lot of fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yes. It, this film takes as many leaps as it does loops. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very cute. You've mentioned a couple of reviews before and you've, you've touched on them. So what, what did you find? Um, found two good ones. Uh, well, good meaning uh, they were well thought through. Um, got one here from The Guardian uh, from October of 2017 by Benjamin Lee. Um, he gives it two out of his five potential stars. Oh. Um, yeah, so not, not a super fan. He writes, it's a bright, zippy tone, ensures that this high-concept slasher remains an easy watch, but a repetitive structure and a scare-free final act will leave genre fans unhappy. He gets it, but he doesn't think it hits home quite... <laughs> See, that feels a little bit like myself, is I, I was really, I would have liked to have seen this really lean into the slasher a little more. Yes, uh, and, and this comes out of both of the uh, reviews that I've read do that. Uh, if I were to go in more in detail on on Mr. Lee's, it does get into that. Is he wanted it? He wanted it to own its horror side a lot more you want to if you're gonna steal from the groundhog concept um and and he actually likens it that this is supposed to be a cross between groundhog day and scream but you kind of forgot the scream part um and the things that made scream work yeah it really starts feeling just like a groundhog day remake with this weird murder mystery thrown in yeah. Because everything else about it is Groundhog Day. 
she's a horrible person who learns to be a better person by the end of the film. Uh, she connects with her uh, classmates instead of co-workers. She reconnects with her family. That's great, but where's the blood, Mr. I'm making a slasher film? He also points out um, that the year in particular that this came out, um, 2017, um, this the same year uh, in the horror genre, you, you got It, uh, the newer version of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You got Get Out. Mm-hmm. And you got Split. So you had three fairly heavy hitting films for 2017 in the in the horror range. And then there's this. <laughs> so, right. And then he also uh, touts its Blumhouse background. And yet it doesn't it doesn't take advantage of it. <laughs> right. Uh, the other review that I did get, uh, I was happy to find one from RogerEbert.com. Sweet. Uh, from Brian uh, Tallarico, also October 2017. And this also is only a two-star rating. Uh, I'm only going to read from his uh, last little bit here because uh, it kind of sums up. It, it really kind of, uh, when I read this, I'm like, yeah, that's I that's the opinion I have. So... I do have to say that Rothy, who is in every single scene of Happy Death Day, this is where I found that out, not not as if I didn't already know that, gives this film her all. It's a physical, demanding performance, and she's quite good in a way that makes me eager to see what she does next. Her performance is quite easily the best thing about the movie as she goes through nearly every emotion on her repetitive day. And as the film demands more from her in a traditional scream queen sense, as it gets more intense, she nails it. She's so good that you wish she was in a better film. (laughs) It's a wish I found myself making over and over and over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) So... Again, uh, uh, if I had gone through the rest of it, it hits on all the same things. Uh, It's definitely a mix of Groundhog Day and other films, um, but it doesn't kind of successfully take advantage of the potential that should have been in having a repetitive horror film. Because one of the ones uh, from one of the uh, two uh, reviews, I think it was from the prior one, they actually mentioned... Any good slasher film is essentially a Groundhog Day film unto itself anyways, because if you think about every time we go back to Camp Crystal Lake, all we're doing is killing camp counselors over and over and over again. But the reason you watch is to see what new and exciting way Jason can butcher them. Exactly. So repetitive is part of the slasher um, protocol anyway. What you do with that is how you get to live for another day, so to speak. Right. Well, I posted uh, that I watched this on uh, the social medias and everything. We got a few comments from people, their opinions of the film. Billy Flynn from Geek Radio Daily said that that movie's so underwhelmy that I don't even remember who the killer was. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Quint from the Good Beer, Bad Movie Night said this is really dumb, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> with you, man. Mike Forgetto over on uh, Twitter, he belongs to the I Used to Watch This podcast. He says he watched this during the height of COVID and really enjoyed it. It would be a good movie to spend when you're locked inside, I think. <laughs> Dave Minkus on the, back over on Facebook says he adores this flick. I get it. Uh, Sutton8008 over on uh, Discord says the twist in one was really fun. I'm assuming they knew by the time it was revealed it wouldn't matter because the rest of the film was such a good time anyway. It just ended up being a great button to go out on. (laughs) And he also says that he loves both. He said he found the sequel a really clever concept wrapped up in a fairly solid slasher flick. And now I think about it, I can't remember seeing the lead actress in anything else before or since. Well, he had good things to say. That's what the kind of comments I have read about the sequel which makes me really eager to see it so happily that is what we're going to be watching on our next episode 
when I proposed this, knowing full well of what this was, and, and actually you kind of hit exactly where I thought you would land on, yeah. on this one, is that you would enjoy it, but maybe not entirely. Well, I'm looking forward to the sequel because I feel like the sequel is going to be the make it or break it for me. I'm either going to watch the sequel and then in retrospect kind of love both films as a whole, or I'm going to dislike both films. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to walk out of this. And, and we have more conversation to come in the next viewing that I will not allude to just yet. But uh, Excellent. Um, But yes, no, I'm excited to find out which way you actually land. (laughs) Yes, I I am as well. I'm looking forward to it. And and hey, I mean, what a fun way to tie in time travel and horror. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. This is actually perfect. This actually is not, this is not a bad film for like, your Halloween party kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, if you if you need a nice uh, PG thirteen uh, horror movie for your Halloween party, this is perfect. So that will do it for this episode. We will be back in two weeks with Happy Death Day to You from twenty nineteen, I believe it was. Yep. I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. So we will be back in two weeks with that one. So Tom, thanks very much. Thanks for suggesting his film. Whether I end up liking them or loving them or hating them i'm having fun so that says something it was kind of an inspired last minute thought i'm glad we got these in yes all right that's gonna do it we'll talk to everybody next time bye see ya